Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit GAIA.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. My 7 Chakras, 229. People say that what we're all seeking, what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, the show where we always dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. So if you have stumbled upon the spiritual life and want to find your tribe, then I'm offering you an invitation to join us, my friend. Our tribe is called Action Tribe and we are the action takers. And in case you are new to this way of life, then you must know that reading books can really change the way you look at life. Our guests share one new book recommendation in the end of each show, but with so many books out there, it can become overwhelming and you might not know where to start. So don't worry about that. I've got you covered because I've put together a PDF that contains 21 must-read spiritual books that have been recommended on this show. Uh, and FYI, some of the books that are in this list are Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, who's also been on the show, Energy Medicine by Donna Eden, and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. These are really amazing books. But there are 17 other books that you need to know about. So to download your list, just visit my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. The seven is a word. So that's my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. And you'll get access to the PDF downloadable that has the 21 books. And if you've read the list and you know of a book that really needs to be in that list, you want to add some books, then just email me at aj at my7chakras.com. That's aj at my7chakras.com. And I will go through your email, reply to it, and ensure that that book is added as well. But Action Tribe, nothing will happen if you don't take action. So before you forget, open up a new window on your phone or on your desktop and type in my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. All right, with that being said, we are now ready to begin our amazing interview for today. Today's guest is Suzanne Skurlock Durana. So Suzanne, are you ready to inspire? Absolutely, AJ. Thank you. Great. As one of the world's leading authorities on conscious awareness and its transformational impact on the healing process, she has been empowering people for over 30 years to experience joy in each moment without burning out. The practical tools and skills she teaches have helped people all over the world improve every aspect of their lives from their health and well-being to their relationships, their careers, their creativity, even the growth of their businesses. So that is why it was completely essential to have her on our show. So Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure, AJ. Thank you. Wonderful. So in that case, uh, let's begin like we always do with some inspiration. So Suzanne, what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply in your life? Well, I would say that my 
hands down, favorite inspirational quote, was given to me probably 40 years by Joseph Campbell, 40 years ago. Um, I've had it on, on the shelf, you know, in a little um, stand-up thing for 30 of those years. And it's a wonderful statement by him that really speaks to how I feel about life. He says, people say that what we're all seeking, what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Mm. And that's the opening quote of chapter 11 of my book, Reclaiming Your Body, because I think that one of the things that's missing often from spiritual life is the awareness that the body is what houses and holds and nurtures our spiritual nature, and we must have a good, healthy relationship with it in order for our spiritual life and our lives to really unfold in a manner that uh, is optimal, if you want to say it that way. Yeah. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing that quote. So uh, really quickly, did you actually meet Joseph Campbell by any chance? Or? No, I. but I have to say when my children were very young, okay. we, we watched all of his, um, he had a whole series that um, was put on a public television okay. and it was an interview series with Bill Moyers and it, went, it was a very long series and we watched and rewatched and we watched that and that quote was in that series, and he talks all about spirit and spirituality across mm-hmm. cultures and and different religions, and it's really an exquisite series. And so that really got me going on on <laughs> Bill Moyers, and and then it and Bill Moyers number one, and then Joseph Campbell um, secondarily. And I I love both of them for their wisdom and what they've given. Wonderful. So, I mean, that's amazing that you shared this quote because Joseph Campbell to me is one of the best contributors uh, as on today or even in the past to the human experience. You know, Uh, the way that he so wonderfully put together the hero's journey that most of the directors, most of the writers have adopted in their movies. And once you go through his uh, writings, you'll notice these different scenes, different acts. So, you know, systematically uh implemented in all these movies like the star wars like right, uh, right. You know, wizard of oz and all these heroic mm-hmm. movies whether the hero is female or male all of that has been systematically implemented in these movies but action tribe highly recommend you check out the work of uh joseph campbell uh the hero's journey and uh suzanne one book that i really like which is based on the hero's journey is the writer's journey I'm not sure if you've uh, come across that book, but the writer's journey uh, not only talks about the hero's journey, but wonderfully explains and goes into depth about uh, the hero's journey. So that's one book that I haven't completed yet, but it's on my bookshelf. And uh, since you shared this quote, I'm going to revisit that. But Action Tribe, people say that we are seeking, that all we are seeking is meaning. But actually, if you really think about it, what all of us are seeking is the experience of being alive. Mm -hmm. The experience, the rapture of really being alive and being in the moment and having that complete body presence. So that's what we're going to talk about more today. Uh, So Suzanne, what inspired you to write your book, Reclaiming Your Body, Healing from Trauma and Awakening to Your Body's Wisdom? You know, I think what inspired me most to write it, you know, my first book was Full Body Presence, 
uh, learning to listen to your body's wisdom. And that kind of grew out of my craniosacral practice, teaching craniosacral therapy, uh, realizing that that quality of presence that you were just speaking about, AJ, that quality of presence is absolutely vital if you're going to be a really excellent craniosacral therapist. It's, it's required. But secondarily, I was noticing that the more present my uh, patients, my clients, the, the people in my life could be, the more they enjoyed their lives. So I began the work with full body presence. And then when I got to this latest one, I'm really looking more in depth at mm-hmm. all of the different ways that we get pulled out of the present moment. One of the biggies is, is things that happen to us that feel traumatizing uh, in one way or another. And so I had to address trauma. I had to look at craniosacral therapy. I had to really tell, I just told story after story after story in the book to help people understand how trauma goes in the body, all the different phases of trauma. Many of us would not consider ourselves to have, have experienced major trauma. And yet, when you read my book, you'll understand that that there are probably at least a dozen ways that you personally are not in the present moment for different reasons. And oftentimes, 10 of those 12 reasons are something that happened to you somewhere along the line that caused you to shrink down inside or vacate the premises, you know, via dissociation Mm -hmm. or something else. That that really caused you to stop being present and be more caught in the future, what you're afraid of, or being sucked into the past and what what happened back then that you're sure is about to happen again. Yeah, got it. I mean that that's 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 really phenomenal, and these are really powerful topics to talk about because I feel that each one of us, uh, everyone listening to the show, has some form of trauma or some bad memory or some experience that has emotionally lodged into our bodies. And if we even Mm -hmm. work towards it, we take that energy out, Mm -hmm. we experience that release, we experience, we feel so much better and we can do so much more with our lives. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you've mentioned and you've written in your your book that our body has its own language, a language that is more ancient than we realize. So what does that Mm -hmm. really mean? Mm, That means that that most of us judge whether we're present or not by what we're thinking, okay? Mm by our logical thoughts, our beliefs about what's going on, you know, all that stuff. But in fact, the body is constantly signaling us through the felt sense of a tightening in your gut or Mm. a sense of expansion in your heart or um, a sudden flash, like an image of a memory of something when you walk into a room or smell a particular smell. Your body is giving you just a, a by smell, inner wit, vision, hearing, felt sense, knowing. All these different things give us information about what's going on internally. You know, for mm-hmm. you know, for what what does it mean to be AJ? You know, when I don't I'll often say to my students, let's just start by closing your eyes and dropping inside and feeling on the inside of your skin. What does it feel like to be you today? What does it feel like? Well, what is the what's the felt sense of it? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it is it warm? Is it cool? Mm-hmm. Do you feel a flow? Or do you feel a flow, or do things feel static and and bogged down? Um, is your mind overwhelming your bodily senses right now, and all you can think about is some limiting belief about not being good enough? What does it feel like to be you right now? Mm-hmm. And so I really start there, teaching people those really subtle and sometimes not so subtle felt sense signals that we all get all the time, but we often write them off and we often decide that they're not worth listening to when in fact, you know, that first story that I, the major story that I talk about in the book about being strangled, 
Um, if I had listened to my gut in that instant, I would not have had that occurrence. Of course, then we might not be here today having this interview because I wouldn't have gotten so inspired by mm -hmm. recognizing that I actually had a signal giver inside my body that night that was trying to give me a message. And uh, it was a, a long journey, but that's actually where it began, right there in that experience when I was 17 years old. Wonderful. Well, th thanks all for sharing that perspective of uh, how we judge whether we are in the present or not because everyone wants to be in the present moment and they know that it's powerful but usually we assess that by thinking whereas you're <laughs> right. saying that you need to we, we've, we're getting information which is actually signals from so many different areas like mm -hmm. our gut and our heart and our intuition mm -hmm. which is not the brain which is the mind and so much more beyond than just the brain but right. if we just tap into these signals then we will be able to take actions for our benefit like in your case listening to your intuition in a much better way Way. And mm -hmm. I love that you asked this very powerful question, which we don't come across in day-to-day -day life, but nobody really asks us, what does it feel to be you? What does it feel like to be you? And I'm in a workshop mode because I just came from a workshop last weekend, Saturday, mm -hmm. Sunday. And these some of these workshops, including yours, I'm sure are so powerful because of the questions that you uh, make people ask themselves mm -hmm. and, and just wait for the response. So yeah. thanks for sharing. Uh, you spoke about trauma, but uh, I want to know, what is your definition of trauma? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I would have given you a different definition 30 years ago when I began okay. working. So 30 years ago, people really basically said that trauma was if you had been abused as a child, if you, had, if you were a Vietnam vet, if you, or, you know, or a war veteran of some kind, if you had experienced a sexual or physical assault as an adult, um, it, those kinds of things that were big big physical, emotional traumas and betrayals, those things were trauma. Now we realize that there's a complex combination of things that form trauma in the body. If you have something happen to you that feels overwhelming at the time and you physically can't do anything about it, you're helpless to do anything about it, and there's a betrayal of some kind. Someone says or does something to you that's cruel or mean or thoughtless, and it really hurts internally or if they sexually physically do something that's really painful and harmful to you and that it can often be something as um simple as watching the news when something mm. horrible is happening and being helpless to do anything about it that can be traumatized you can feel your heart sink and your gut tighten that's trauma and, and so it kind of says we're all in trauma right now because yes. there's so much going on in the world that is very adverse in terms of optimal living and growth. And so, you know, there. and then there are the things that are subtly traumatizing that maybe should have happened but didn't in our lives. I tell one of those stories, the very beginning of my book, when um, my dear overwhelmed mother left me at kindergarten and said she was going to wait outside for me if I didn't like it. And... Um, you know, I, of course, didn't like it and managed to sneak off and get out the door and my mom wasn't there. So here was something that, that should have happened. Had she been there, we would have been able to have had a whole nother conversation about was, was kindergarten ready? Was I ready for kindergarten at that point? I was a year younger than everybody else. And, but she wasn't there. So here's something that didn't happen. You know, the, kin the kindergarten teacher, of course, caught up with me, grabbed me by the shoulder, dragged me, not dragged, but, you know, escorted me back to the room. And that was that. But I made a decision right then and there that there wasn't going to be anybody there for me if I really mm. 
got and so I needed to just put my big girl pants on and not count on anyone. And so that formed an early part of my psyche that caused contraction, that caused an inability to let let people in. Do you know what I'm saying here? Is a and and that was a decision I made by something that didn't happen, as opposed right. to something traumatic that did happen. Am I making sense? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I think we tend to yeah. associate trauma with something major that happened and shocked your life, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like an accident or a sexual abuse. Well, those are really trauma. Uh, sometimes these subtle incidences that we might not even notice and might go under the surface, those can affect our lives in yeah. so many ways oh, like I yeah. used to hate kindergarten and I always wanted to escape but uh, I was always sent back so maybe <laughs> I have something that I need to uncover about my life about whether I'm dependent or not or so many different qualities that I have in my life that are affected by something that happened to me 20 years back or 25 years back or whatever it is right. uh, but thanks for sharing that uh, and you mentioned that you know there I, are yeah. uh, please go ahead um, you know I think also the other piece that's important is yeah. that we can't judge anyone else's trauma. Mm-hmm. We can't, you know, even doctors, they are, each one of us carries the things inside of us that have caused us to shrink, mm-hmm. have caused us to harden down inside. Each one of us has those things going on and no one else can judge how deeply they may be affecting, for instance, since if you also had that kind of experience of being like one of those smart kids that tested in to school before you emotionally were really ready to go, there's a, a quality in which I then, until I worked this through and healed it, I had a terrible time starting anything. I would get right. paralyzed. What had happened was was I would go to start something and I would think, oh, it'll be, oh my God, here we go again. <laughs> and I was in college before I finally figured out. And I knew once I got started on a project, I was okay. But that mm. walk up to the first few steps, that just like walking up to that kindergarten door, that, that pattern followed me until I took the time to go back, hold it, heal it, and move mm. on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny you say that because in my case in kindergarten, and this happened to me just a couple of weeks back, you know, in, in kindergarten, my mind was never in the class. I was always a day, daydreamer and I was always outside. I was thinking about the most weird things outside of the class. And so I was never present, something that we were discussing today. Mm-hmm. I was never present in class. And uh, somehow uh, there was this Facebook uh, picture that was shared of my class, you know, my kindergarten class a couple of weeks back. And I have no idea who the teacher is and I have no idea who the students are. And I was like, what? What am I doing there in that picture? And now I'm sort of going on that quest to reach out to those friends and people who have grown up. And do you remember me? <laughs> or was it all a figment of my imagination? <laughs> anyway, so you, you sort of spoke about uh, the fact that it's not just a trauma, but there are different phases of trauma mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Could, could yeah. you talk to us about the phases that somebody experiences? Well, you have the, the time frame where where when something happens immediately and, and you go into shock, right? Mm. Just oh, that sense of, oh, my God. And there'll often be a tightening, like a physical tightening down at that point. Mm-hmm. And then you have what happens when trauma doesn't get released. Right. So, for instance, you know, had my, you know, well, we can not even go to that story. But if you have something happen and you're actually held and helped to process that afterwards, your body shakes and lets go of the trauma and oh, you get to take a deep breath and it lets go. 
from the tissue. Right. But if there is no opportunity offered for you to actually heal and let go of that trauma, it stays frozen in the system, particularly if there was some sort of negative emotional matrix going on at the time that the mm. trauma occurred. Okay? So if if you were terrified when you fell off that swing and and hit your back and knocked all the wind out of you, or if you were... Um, if someone was chasing you that was absolutely, ha- you know, like you were terrified and fearful, if you were grief-stricken, if you were feeling ashamed, if you felt guilty, um, if you were um, angry when something was occurring, it often, will that emotional matrix will cause it to get locked into the body. And in craniosacral therapy, this is actually one of the major tenets that we talk about in somato-emotional release, which is that... Things naturally do release from the body unless, unless there is this negative emotional matrix at the time that it occurs. And so that's a different kind of trauma. Mm. Uh, you have acute trauma, you have chronic trauma, you have trauma that happens when you're young and can't even think. You have trauma that happens older when you can actually remember the story and tell it. So there's all different kinds of trauma for us to heal from, needless to say. <laughs> Got it. So is this the same unresolved trauma that you write about in your book? Yes, yes. Okay. So so you, you spoke to us about the different types of trauma and what exactly happens the moment someone experiences the, the, the incident. But why is this harmful to the body? Could you dive deeper into that? Well, why is this it's unresolved harmful. trauma bad for the body? Yeah. Well, I will tell you that the, one of the main reasons why it's harmful for the body is that locked trauma in our system takes up the space that our alive tissue should be. Oh. Should be. So... It, And let's say that this trauma gets locked into your heart. Let's say something happens at a heart level that causes your heart to contract. And I I actually have a story about this in my book about a young man whose heart had been um, really been in contraction ever since his very first love, which was a fascinating story and a fascinating experience to go through that with him and watch what happened. But when your heart is contracted, number one, everything has to move around it. So Mm. because it's all tight and pulled in. Number two, you are now locked in out of the wisdom of your heart and most right. of the time you keep you keep going back to the story about what broke your heart so you're in the past and you're right. maybe you're maybe in the future a lot because you're constantly scanning the horizon for the next person that's going to break your heart so you can protect yourself so you've got you know you're pulled from future to past future to past but you spend very little time in the present moment of what's happening right now now when that occurs You've now lost the navigational system of the body. You've lost access to what your heart can tell you about being alive and being inspired and loving life. You're losing it. You you don't have access to it anymore. That's the major thing that these kinds of traumas do for us and and do to us. That that is the good news is it's reversible. It is healable, (laughs) which is the good news. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, as you described it, it uh, it's obvious that a person who is either in the future or is in the past has a loss of power because they're not able yes. to take benefit of the opportunities that arrive or arise in the moment. And uh, as those mom- moments arise, they would sort of be blinded to those opportunities, whether it's a new relationship or a new friendship or a new business relationship, because they're always thinking about the future or, the, or, you know, worrying about the past. Um, now, you speak about full body presence mm-hmm. in your book. So what does it feel like to have this sort of presence? 
Well, it basically means that you have access to all of the felt senses going on in your body um, as best you can, by the way. None of us are completely in every cell of who we are in terms of Mm -hmm. sensation and knowing. But full body presence is having access to it so that when you need to drop into your feet and legs in order to activate something that's going on, on that you need to make a decision about or when you need to calm yourself because something really emotional is washing over you and you need the steady clear uh steady clear presence that happens when you're able to embody have to get that core embodiment in your bones these are things that are such an important part of being alive the power of being able to drop into your pelvis and and harness the pelvic energy, the root chakra energy for all of the things that inspire you in your world. The gut knowing about whether something's right or wrong mm. for you. That's really key. And of course, the inspiration of the heart and, uh, you know, just being able to say, yes, oh, this is, this is it. This is what my soul came here to do. Yes, 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 this is it. And so you begin to step into and walk the path of your soul much more clearly on a day-to-day basis. And then, of course, you have the brain. The brain is our, our ultimate strategy, as I call it, the strategizer and map maker. So it takes right. all of this information from our body, and it helps us make really cool plans and, 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 and organize things and function better. Do you know what I'm saying with that? But it's not, it's not the boss. It, it's a, right. definitely just a team member, but it is a clear part of full body presence. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, uh, you know, on the same topic, talking about wisdom which has traditionally been associated mm-hmm. with the brain and the mind. Mm. But you talk about wisdom areas in the body, like you were talking mm. about the gut, the heart, the legs, the bones. Mm-hmm. So firstly, why are these areas called wisdom areas? I know we spoke about it a bit, but if you could you know, okay. elaborate on that. We can. Okay. So here's what I'll tell you. As I'm, I've been teaching craniosacral therapy, and I teach now I don't teach beginning levels anymore for the Upledger Institute, but I do to teach um, the, the up levels and in my practice and in my teaching I was discovering that as I was helping people get to the wisdom of their body really being able to feel the cells of their body release trauma come into more aliveness feel better have illnesses resolve you know getting the immune system back on board all all of these things I noticed that there was kind of um, if you will there were neighborhoods in the body or areas of the body where particular kind or characteristic of wisdom hung out, if you will. So mm. I noticed, that, for instance, that if somebody was really in their pelvis, really just right in that root chakra, and having spent you know almost two decades with a daily yoga practice, I you know I was aware of the root chakra and working with it and harnessing it. That when people had that kind of energy, these were the per- people that would follow through on their projects that they were inspired about. And get things done rather than letting things just peter out. So I began to realize that the pelvis, it's very, very important for people to be in their pelvises, to feel okay about being in their pelvises, not shrink away from it. They'd be okay to have their sensuality and sexuality, be okay to be powerful. That's a key part. And that's that's what I found in the pelvis, that the, the characteristic of the pelvis is its power, is the engine of it. And the gut This is something we're seeing a lot of right now in research, that enteric brain, they call it, the wisdom of the gut, gives us information about when something's really off or really on for ourselves. This is the piece I was talking about in that early trauma that I had. Mm -hmm. My gut, my gut 
had this really odd kind of an uneasiness for about 20 minutes or a half an hour before my friend, you know, as I turned away from him, reached over and strangled me until I passed out. So I knew something was coming. I didn't know what it was. I kept, I kept saying, no, 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 no. He's my best buddy. You know, he's, he's like an older brother to me. Um, oh, I can't be impolite. He clearly needs just to talk to somebody. You know, it was kind of one of those things where I kept talking myself out of this felt sense that I had in my gut. But believe me, I have not talked myself out of that felt sense ever since. I listen to it all the time. The heart, heart has such an important role for us. And thank you, HeartMath Institute, for doing decades of research on the heart brain itself and mm. how wise the heart is and the signals that a coherent heart send to the brain to help with clear thought and the ability to plan and think and move forward in our lives. But the heart itself, when I started really looking at it in from a Chinese medicine perspective, from a Vedic perspective, from what I know craniosacrally, the heart is about fire. It's about inspiration. It's about, you know, and we talk about this. Look at our language. We say, oh, my God, his heart was just on fire for her or him mm. or, or that project or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So the heart is about inspiration and really loving what you're doing in your life. Um, the bones are about clarity and wisdom. Can, when people can drop deep into their bones, deep, I mean, not just think about their bones, but really drop deep, embodying in that core embodiment way that I teach about, that gives the, the whole rest of the system a sense of steadiness and calmness, calmness that is not really available if you're not in your bones. Yeah. And, and then, of course, our feet and legs, so cool. The feet and legs, I call them, they're kind of a stealth wisdom area because, you know, all these other areas people think about as being, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Why? You know, and we talk about it. Oh, yeah, deep in your bones. You knew this deep in your bones or um, things like that. But our feet and legs, when you activate your feet and legs and get walking or running or whatever, it actually helps the brain and all the rest of the system to, to metabolize or to, mm -hmm. to digest what you may be pondering and pouring over and trying to make a decision. And you go out for a good walk and bingo, you come back with your answer, even though you didn't think about it on the walk. That mm. it activates something in the integration of everything in the system that helps you to come to very healthy, good decisions. And there's a fantastic story in the book about Greg Braden um, and activating his feet and legs and not even realizing he's doing it. He was giving his heart credit for helping him make the decision. But if you look at the mm -hmm. story, he talks about throwing his hiking boots on and heading down this trail that he was regularly used to doing when he had a decision to make. And, and I just laughed. So I had to put the story in the book because it is a clear case of someone not recognizing that it was yeah. his, the wisdom of his feet and legs that got him mm -hmm. to that clarity. So it was really funny. I, I loved that. And, and we see that a lot in life. These wisdom areas are doing things for us all the time and we don't, but we don't give them credit. Yeah. We think it's the brain. Mm hmm. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you know, just using your feet. And in fact, when you need some ideas or in some inspiration, uh, what I love to do is, you know, just take off the shoes and maybe walk on some earth or some sand because that sort of earthens you. You know, it connects you to the earth and helps you helps me, you know, de-stress or detox, detoxify. I feel that release yep. um, uh, when I when I'm walking barefoot. And the other thing is also the eighth 
uh, eighth chakra, which is below our body, right, in the earth, and is uh, responsible for manifestation. There you so, go. like you say, there is definitely some wisdom, but this wisdom is beyond our personal wisdom. It's the wisdom of the earth that we are able to tap into yes. and yes. sort of yes. bring that eighth chakra into our body so so profound thanks a lot for sharing uh, now we often hear that when a person gets someone else's heart in a heart transplant they often mm-hmm. receive vivid memories and certain other qualities from the donor so have you heard about that and oh what are your yeah on that? <laughs> oh yeah i know i i think see here this is a perfect example of what i'm saying that mm. that and it, you know what's fascinating i looked at the research on this mm-hmm. and People who are basically living in their heads and are tightly controlled and who have no concept that the heart could hold any wisdom, much less yeah. that the heart could be holding wisdom that someone else's, right? So, yeah, exactly. So they don't even recognize it as this heart's put in. But people who are open to it, you will, you know, you'll find them telling things like, oh, my God, I, I suddenly craved foods that I've never craved before, or I I suddenly felt I I wanted to go buy a motorcycle and I'm terrified of motorcycles, you know, and, you know, all these things that, that the cells in that person's heart, because they were open to letting them signal them, started to integrate with all the rest of the body. And these thoughts suddenly came out. Where did they come from? They came from their heart. Isn't that fascinating? I really love that. One of our, uh, one of our mm -hmm. beyond the Dura conferences years ago, um, there was a woman and a man who had she had received this man's kidney. He, okay. he offered a kidney and um, she'd had kidney transplant. And it was a wonderful story about their whole relationship because it was done, you know, in an open way. And then also she spoke about there was another piece. Someone else was talking about a change of heart is the name of the book, I believe. And it's a great book that talks all about this process. And this is a perfect example, AJ, perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, people will try and and um, reason it away. But the truth is, our hearts do speak to us. Our gut speaks to us. Our pelvis speaks to us. Our feet and legs talk to us all the time. Our bones are signaling. In fact, every cell in our body is signaling to us all the time. The only question Mm. is, are you listening? Yeah. Wow, wow. Now, you've spent over 30 years learning about the body and also mm-hmm. teaching people to receive their gifts and how to receive their gifts. So how did you first come across this field of knowledge about the body? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's actually a long story. Um, but I, I took my very first class. I, I was primarily a massage therapist. I was making... Um, um, a transition from the business world into massage therapy, and and I was in a class that Dr. Upledger was teaching, and I felt like I was remembering something that I had known before, and mm-hmm. I began to really work with everything that he was teaching and to practice it and play with it um, right from the get-go, and and I must say that my whole life I have been fascinated by touch. And by connection, nurturing touch, and always um, loved massage. I mm. loved um, the process of of nurturing people in a way that really touches them deeply. And I think that nurturing non-invasive touch is a really key piece, really key piece for healing trauma mm. and bringing us back into our bodies and into the present moment in a way that feels safe. Really nurturing non-invasive touch 
absolutely brings um, brings us to a sense of safety. And, mm-hmm. and there there is actually a story before I got to massage school that might be, I'm just thinking about your audience and being that they are real seekers and have done things like yoga and meditation. Um, I where I was in the business world and I, I had gone to this meditation training in Maui and in the process of being in that training, I had um, a, a, an ecstatic experience of filling up with a golden mm. liquid from the earth, from the earth. I've always been an earthing person, uh, but oh, a golden okay. liquid. And I, I, when I got, when it got to my eyes, I just started, it just started pouring out of my eyes. I, I would say that I was crying, but I wasn't sad at all. And then it was the end of the exercise. We were sitting in meditation, you know, looking at someone else. And we, we, I laid down on the floor and I began to have a huge kundalini opening. Um, oh. Such that, and I had been in a very bad car accident at the beginning of this year, 1980 it was. And so every time it would reach an area of my body where there were restrictions, I would feel pain and I would be crying. Okay. And then it would break through that area. The energy would break through that area and I would be buzzing like it would move through onto the next area of my body and then I would I'd be laughing because it was so exquisite and so all of this went on and honestly AJ I can't tell you how long it went on for (laughs) but my I my suspicion is it was probably 15-20 minutes maybe and at the end of that time you know here all of us were in this darkened room all the participants are lying on the floor on their little mats and and going inside and doing whatever they're doing and I'm lying there, and my body got very quiet, except my hands continued to buzz, as though mm. just the way my whole body had been buzzing. They didn't stop. And I heard, right. a, and I heard a voice tell me, just, as, just as, as loud as your voice is right now on the show, and it was also a very kind, um, benevolent voice like yours, and it said, how many more times must I tell you that what you're to do is with your hands? And my eyes flew open. I looked around the room to see who was talking to me. It was that loud. And, of course, everyone else was lying on the floor in their own little wherever, whatever they were doing. And the, <laughs> the trainer the trainer was on the far side of the room administering something to someone else. And so I knew at that moment, I just went, oh, okay, okay, got it, got it. And that was actually when... And I went back to school and I went into body work um, and when, and then I was led into craniosacral therapy and it's a very, it's been a rewarding and mm. a life-changing, life-changing um, journey <laughs> and a wonderful one. Not all of it easy, not all of it easy, but definitely really, really lovely. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, as you described your experience during that um, workshop or that, that, uh, that event, I had a similar experience this weekend where mm. I was sort of buzzing and shivering uh, mm-hmm. and I actually had a bad, uh, you know, motorcycle accident about uh, 10 years back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had several st- stitches on my face and it was it was a really bad accident. But I don't know if it was because of that trauma or some other trauma maybe, but I was, you know, as I was ascending the different chakras in that group meditation that we were in, Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a, a wonderful experience, and I totally can relate to the uh, non-awareness and of time and space because, based on what I've uh, heard, that if and when we reach that 
quantum field or that yeah. field or that place which is beyond time and space mm-hmm. we have no knowledge of how much time has transpired whether it's 10 minutes <laughs> 20 minutes can be 2 hours as well and once we wake up if we have the clock <laughs> by our side we will then right. uh, realize but thanks a lot for sharing that it's really really powerful yeah. Uh, yeah now you've written about the three factors in your book uh curiosity awareness and trust mm-hmm. could you talk to us about the importance of these qualities and how they help us experience yeah. this full body presence yeah so those are three attributes that okay. actually are very key to stepping into the present moment um for instance let's take that experience that i had or the experience that you had which was an ecstatic moment what if i had been afraid of it what if i judged it rather than being curious about it what what mm-hmm. what if i would have clamped down on the experience i would have decided that it was something to be afraid of and it would have stopped it or i would have ended up um being taken away to the nutty ward for you know because something crazy was happening so you see yeah. what i'm saying so there's um there's a way in which curiosity is the antidote to judgment when you can stay curious right. curious about sensations that are happening in your body curious about pain or pleasure, um, fullness, emptiness, spaciousness, heaviness, whatever it is. When you can stay curious, it then grows your awareness. Now, there's the second attribute. Your awareness, your awareness grows, and you're able to start to be more aware, deeper awareness, more breadth, more ability to fine-tune and refine your awareness so that you can sense, feel, see more and more subtle things. You know, the look in someone's eye when you are standing uh, checking out at the grocery store, the warmth in their heart, the, the steadiness of someone's presence, things you wouldn't have noticed before. All of this awareness grows and your life actually has more capacity to have that exquisiteness that Joseph Campbell talked about, of being alive. Mm. Um, So those two, curiosity and awareness, are your primary two um, attributes. But the third one, trust, is just as vital. Because if you don't trust your awareness and, and your curiosity, it'll again shut down the experience and you'll be locked in your head in some dry thought, judgment, about what's happening. So trusting it letting yourself go with the flow is what really guides the deepening of whatever is happening for you in your world at any given moment does that make sense got it so there you go action tribe curiosity and not judgment awareness and not unawareness and trust that everything will be all right that this is a process Mm -hmm. that you are going Mm -hmm. through so suzanne for someone listening to the show at this very moment, what is that one action step that you'd like to recommend for this person? You know, I would say that probably the first action step that most modern people need to do, you know, and I would say anybody in the Western world who has a cell phone, particularly an iPhone or a, a smartphone, a computer, um, is a television watcher, please put it all down and just slow down. Take time. Drop inside. Breathe. Notice what it feels like to be you in this moment and then the next moment and then the next moment. Be curious about the temperature of the air as it goes into your lungs and down into your chest and your belly. Just 
and start to pay attention to the sensations of who you are, who you are. I have three basic audio downloads that go with both of my books that help people to start to drop inside. It's like I'm, I'm your guide to walk you inside. I don't tell you what you're going to find, but I just know the questions to ask you so you can find who you are. And, and so play with that. Those audio downloads are probably the fastest door in to ourselves. And they're free when you buy the books. Um, it's right there. There's a password on my website, and you can download them. And it's a really easy entry door into, into who you are and what it feels like to be AJ right now or Suzanne right now. Awesome. Action Drive to access the show notes for this episode, visit our website, my7chakras.com forward slash 229. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 229. And before moving on, let's listen to a word from our sponsor, Gaia.com. Explore the vast traditions of yoga with the Gaia original series, Yogic Paths. Filmed across India, the 13-episode series captures the beauty of mystical Indian landscapes and never-before-seen ashrams while taking the viewer on a journey through the many traditions of yoga. While the practice of physical postures called asanas is most well-known in the West, understanding the full scope of this rich and varied tradition gives meaning and power to the yoga that we know today. Action Tribe, since you're listening to this show, it's clear that you are interested in topics such as chakras, yoga, and self-realization, and you know exactly where to go for audio content and interviews. And I sure hope you feel this way about our show, My 7 Chakras. But where do you go if you want a streaming TV video service with the same values and similar content? The answer is Gaia.com. To start watching this show, The Yogic Paths, as well as get your first month at Gaia for just 99 cents, visit Gaia.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. That's G-A-I-A dot com forward slash My S-E-V-E-N-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Healing may not be so much about getting better as about letting go of everything that isn't you, all of the expectations, all of the beliefs, and becoming who you are. This is a quote by Rachel Raymond, Action Tribe. This to me is an amazing quote because it helps us change our focus. Very often, we're focusing on the outcome. We're focusing on feeling better and getting healthier. And that quest for getting somewhere might lead to disappointment and sometimes stress as well because you're always wanting to go somewhere. So instead of focusing on getting better, what if healing is just about letting go? Just like a hot air balloon, when you let go of some weight, you get higher and higher. Healing is all about letting go of the beliefs that are holding you back, forgiving people who might have hurt you or harmed you in the past. Healing is about letting go of expectations that you have had for a particular outcome and just feeling that resulting lightness because when you focus on letting go you become your true self so suzanne uh, tell me about a time when you had to go through a major life challenge how did you encounter that experience and then what did you do about it hmm well this actually relates to the whole idea of um, being curious and and growing your awareness and, and trusting what you get um, about seven years ago, six years ago, somewhere in that realm, I woke up uh, in the middle of the night and I, had, I was having trouble breathing. When I breathed, my chest hurt. 
and you know my husband was beside me and and he um I woke him up and I said uh, you know and I, I thought about it at the time I, I got very curious I got quiet and I breathed and I, I asked myself do I need to call 911 am I having a heart attack you know and and I got a no on that one um but I of course you know I in a circumstance like that you want to double and triple check the no you might be getting inside so I did uh, get up and get an aspirin and I took it and I also um I also woke my husband up had him read my pulses he's an acupuncturist and a healthcare prep consultant and he said no 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 your heartbeat is very strong you're not having a, a heart attack and we proceeded for the next two hours AJ to stay very curious I stayed very I let my awareness grow and grow as I was figuring out what positions were not painful and what positions were painful, we finally, on the internet, you know, here's technology joins the, the uh, mm. process. I figured out from a description on the internet that when you have pain when lying on your back or lying on your sides, but not when you're face forward, um, that you probably have pericarditis because the, the envelope that the heart lives in is rubbing against the inside of your rib cage and it's a very painful thing to have the, the inflammation that's cause, that causes that uh, so it's a it's fascinating to me um, across that time to work with step by step by step to trust what we were getting my husband's also an, a phenomenal healer and he worked on my back he worked on my front and within two hours I was completely out of pain I fell back asleep went to bed I did um, get up at six in the morning and then Go to the ER just to make sure. And by the way, if your listeners don't know anything about their health care or their anatomy, I never suggest that you just stay home and breathe if you have a circumstance like this, unless you really do have a clear sense of what's going on. But when we got to the ER, it was great that we went at 6 in the morning. We got right in. And, of course, if you say you think you're having a heart incident, you really get in fast. But they, they looked at everything. They took all my you know blood work and everything, and they said, no, your heart's fine. You're right. You were having a, a pericarditis attack. Um, whatever your husband did, you know, brought down the pro-inflammatory cytokines in your bloodstream, and you look fine now. Let us give you some big-dose anti-inflammatories so that you can keep the inflammation down until your the virus runs its course, until your you know the antibodies in your immune system mm. catch up with whatever it is and and take it down. So that's what I did. But it was fascinating to me. And it was an excellent teacher, excellent teacher, because I didn't panic at any point, at any point. I just kept one step, the next step, the next step. I stayed curious. I stayed open. And I kept asking, what should I do next? What should I do next? And we got to the end. And, um, and then, of course, I did all the things I know as a body worker to help the, my pericardium after everything was out of inflammation. And, you know, I've done a lot of good work on my heart and that whole area since then to optimize any scar tissue that might have ended up from that inflammation. And, and so that's, but it, in every step, we do so much better. It optimizes what happens in, in our world when we can stay curious, stay aware, and trust what's happening. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that wonderful story with us uh, Suzanne you shared that about seven years ago you suddenly woke up middle of the night and you were having trouble breathing yeah chest pain yeah and uh, you know you had when such a situation occurs I know it cannot be an easy situation because 
there are so many questions going on in your mind and so many things that your mind wants to do like call 911 or take in the pills and you know basically get help uh but you firstly listen to your intuition uh you did take pills you checked your pulse mm-hmm. you took help from your husband and for the next 2 hours you basically stayed curious uh with a complete body presence uh testing out different positions you also searched online and you found an answer based on the symptoms that you were experiencing which was pericarditis uh but i think the the the, the bottom line was that you did not panic mm-hmm. um you trusted your situation you trusted your intuition you were curious uh about you know uh, as as an observer about what might have happened and you from time to time grew your awareness and also seeking out information is also a way of growing your awareness right. about right. the challenge that you're facing so i think that's a really really um profound um advice for people who are listening to the show of course uh when a when a crisis situation uh th- does happen then uh, you, you know the uh, experts are always there to help us and to support us and to ensure that uh, the problem is solved but being curious being entrusting yourself and just growing your awareness is invaluable so thanks a lot for sharing that yeah yeah probably it probably would be my next book actually um going into mm. those three going to, into those three oh, okay. attributes it's a, it'll be a short one but lots of stories about working with those and what it looks like and what it means to live from your cat if you will <laughs> yeah. nice i love short books you know yeah. i think some of the best uh, wisdom are in short books mm-hmm. because uh, sometimes when you have a large book it sort of overwhelms you right you're like oh, yeah. i'm going to really read these 450 pages but if it's a short book like even your current book is really really i must say very nice it's not too long but at the same time it's so well designed i mean whoever mm-hmm. the designer was kudos to that person it's, it's really a beautiful book to just hold i'm holding it right now thank you thank <laughs> and, you and uh, you know i'm going to share the link as well and, and as to how people can get this book themselves but action tribe i really hoped you enjoyed today's session today's amazing session as we move along let me ask you this question have you heard about the term soul contract we have spoken about this on a few episodes but basically what that means is that before you're born before you're born on the physical plane of earth you create a contract of sorts in which you decide who you will meet especially your parents you decide the life lessons that you will have and based on that you also decide the type of challenges that you will encounter during this lifetime you also decide how you will ultimately die i know it sounds crazy but we forget all of this when we are born and some people gradually begin remembering who they truly are and thanks to people like suzanne we were able to take actionable steps so whether you believe in the soul contract or not the idea behind it is very simple and profound it is to take complete responsibility for everything in your life didn't get that promotion you are responsible had an accident in some way or form you are definitely responsible are you overweight or unhealthy right now well guess what it is your responsibility you have a lot of debt you owe money again you are in some way responsible for that the idea is not to accuse yourself and not to feel bad about it but the idea is powerful because once you take full ownership of every experience in your life it also means that you have the power and the full control of what will take place in the future you have the power mm-hmm. to transform your life and just like eckhart tolle once said true freedom is living as if you had completely chosen whatever you feel or experience in this moment this inner alignment 
with what is in the now is the end of suffering. And I think that is really, really profound. So Suzanne, as on today, what is your life's calling? You know, my I feel like my soul's journey is to really share this work from this book and from my first book and my craniosacral work. My life's calling is really um, to teach and to lead people in the healing world and to bring people more home to themselves and and also to help them be true to their soul's journey. I, I do actually mm. um, adhere personally to that whole soul contract idea. Just um, just as you're speaking of it, I think of it that we are we are capable of responding. We are responsible for everything that happens in our world. We have a capacity to greet it, meet it, see what part we played in it, and respond to it in a healing way. I absolutely do believe that. And I have a short quote in the very front of the book that I would love to read um, mm-hmm. if we're if you're ready to finish up we can end with that or uh, you can share the quote we actually have a last round but uh, if the moment has arrived and you can share the quote that's fine okay okay <laughs> so it's called the most important relationship in your life your relationships with other people throughout your lifetime with your parents your spouses children friends and teachers will shift as time passes and situations change. As long as you're alive, however, your body is always with you. It is so beneficial to have a strong, deep, intimate relationship with your own unique physical self. Your body is designed to guide you, keep you safe, and bring you full vitality and pleasure. It is the vehicle through which you create and manifest your thoughts and dreams into reality. And I would say manifest your soul's journey into reality. In this book, you'll discover how establishing and nurturing a healthy relationship with your body will allow you to reclaim lost parts of yourself, tap into your body's wisdom, and better navigate your life. Wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that quote with us. And with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, which is called the Wisdom Round. Uh which has four questions. Uh, the first one is, what is the best advice that someone has ever given you? <laughs> um, to just do it. Get moving. Get moving. Got it. Name a personal habit that keeps you going. Uh, breathing and walking. I love to breathe and walk and swing. I also love to dance and sing. What is your morning routine like? Or do you even have a morning routine these days? I do. I do. Um, I get up and I have um, uh, a cup of of hot water or room temperature water and I sit and uh, do meditation and breathe and look at the lake where I live and then my husband and I um, check in with each other and how did you sleep and what do you have going on today and we connect with each other and and then we go on about our day. When I can, I love to get outside and do a really nice walk like I did just before our interview. Um, I got like an hour's walk in about three miles. It was great. Wonderful. And what is it one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today? Uh, can it be my Reclaiming Your Body book? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we're going to share that book anyway, okay. but if there's any other book also. Okay. So let it. me, the only other one that I think um, that has been really helpful recently for me that I've really enjoyed was by Gabor Mate. It was um, mm. When the Body Says No. Okay. And then I, I actually have to have two books. Bezel van der Kolk's book. The Body Keeps the Score, 
War is the other book that I have found to be most powerful and helpful in the last year or two. Wonderful. Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations and I know that many of you purchase these books, get these books as soon as you hear them shared on the show. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can check out this amazing service. Now, in case you don't know, Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from, might be even more, uh, for your different devices, iPhone, Android, Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. They've got a whole lot of books. To download your free audiobook so that you can listen to the book instead of reading on on the way to work or in transit all you need to do is go to my 7 forward slash free book once again that's my 7 forward slash free book and you can just choose and download your book to listen to so suzanne thank you so much for joining us today uh, before you go tell us one thing that you're super grateful for and tell us how we can find you and how our listeners can get a hold of your book okay so great um, I am very, very grateful for my husband, my family. I'm also extremely grateful for the, the life's work that I have uh, because it energizes me and I really, I'm really, really happy to have it. Um, you can get a hold of me at healingfromthecore.com, healingfromthecore.com. And what was the third question? <laughs> I forgot it. Well, uh, how do people get uh, your book? Uh, like, how do yeah, they get your book? Really, probably the easiest <laughs> way today would be to either go at, at Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com are the best ways to pick it up right now. Awesome. So there you go, Action Tribe. The name of the book is uh, Reclaiming Your Body, Healing from Trauma, and Awakening to Your Body's Wisdom. I love uh, how sequential the chapters are. You know, it starts with the answers lie within, five body myths, embodying fully. And then uh, Suzanne goes deeper into each of the body parts. So your heart, your gut, your pelvis, your bones, your brain, living in on ourselves and, com- and finalizing with opening to life intentionally. So I love how uh, simple the topics are, but yet so much profound wisdom within these topics. Uh, my favorite combination of simplicity with wisdom. So again, if you want the book, it's on Barnes and Nobles or Amazon.com. Uh, 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 Suzanne, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of full body presence and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you, AJ. It's been a pleasure. Listening to My Seven Chakras. Go to my seven chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.